So, I'm a recent uh, person to the northwest of England. I've just moved here with my family. I live south of Manchester, but there's this little corner of Manchester near Oxford Road Station where the buildings all look like schools or hospitals, slightly post-industrial, mixed in with weird green spaces, and hidden amongst all of these places is the Whitworth Gallery, which is absolutely stunning. From the outside, it looks like, you know when you see one of those schools where it says boys' entrance and girls' entrance and it's got 1907 over it, orange, big orange bricks. But when you walk inside it, it's like you've walked inside Stanley Kubrick's mind. Steel, glass, a cafe with well-balanced broccoli meals. It's stunning, confusing space and you wouldn't expect to see it hidden in the corner of Manchester. And I've also brought with me someone I wouldn't normally take to a gallery, Auntie Christine. It's actually my wife's auntie, but she's an auntie by marriage. How are you doing, Christine? Hi, Russell. <laughs> Have you ever been to a gallery before? Uh, no, I haven't. I can tell you exactly why Christine's never been to an art gallery. The same reason I never went to an art gallery till I was 19 years old. The same reason I never even heard of Jane Austen till I was 16. I grew up working-class household. Everyone does. My mum's a cleaner. My dad was a builder. We just didn't... We don't talk about things like paintings. We don't talk about books. It's not part of my background. We compl- There's a whole part of society that's completely cut off from stuff like this. No one talks about, we, all, all we talk about is gender and race and religion. We forget there's a whole people cut off by virtue of their, their economic background, just being normal working class people that never, ever get exposed to anything like this. And there's someone like me, takes someone like Christine and goes, look, why it doesn't happen more in schools, I don't know. I'm guessing that's the whole reason, Christine, right? It wasn't. You, it's not that you don't like art, it's that no one's ever said to you, shall we go to an art gallery? That's right, yes, yes. It's really hard for educated middle-class people to believe what I've just said is true, but believe me, still, in 2019, it's massively true. Hi, I'm writer-comedian and actor Russell Kane. And I'm Auntie Christine. And, and this, this is, is Meet Me at, at the... Museum. <laughs> Do it again. Yeah. Three, two, one. And, and this, this is Meet Me, me at, at the, the Museum. museum. <laughs> Look at that tree over there. Oh, the metal tree. The metal tree, yes. Very unusual. I think the original tree used to be there, and they've done a metal version of the tree that yeah, was there. Very unusual. It's like the robot version of a tree that was once there. <laughs> so, guess what else, Christine? The boss of the whole museum. Alistair, we're going to meet him. We can ask him anything we like about the museum. We can ask him why he's put a metal tree there. Poor Sod's probably been watering it for a year. You know what artists are like. What do you think of this atrium? It's lovely, isn't it? Lovely and bright. It's lovely and bright, yeah. It's very, very nice. Must yeah. be difficult to get the flies off that glass dome, though. I oh, know, I wouldn't like it to be a window cleaner. No. no. Right. Um, I need to get into the museum. I've got my art pass. Is that going to get me in? Well, the museum's actually free, but your art pass will give you 10% off in the shop, yes. in the gift shop. I knew I needed a decorative chopping board and a pepper shaker shaped like a breast, and now I'm going to get it for 10% less. Tally ho! Right, so, Christine, I brought you to the Whitworth. I was allowed to bring anyone I liked to the Whitworth, anyone I knew. I could have brought someone from the TV, someone around family, but I just thought you'd be the best person to bring because I want to see someone just come into a gallery almost for the first time in their lives. It's just something you never do. So I think you get a better reaction from someone that says, well, art galleries aren't for me. 
for me to take you around this wonderful building and show you things and just to see what hilarious, profound, interesting, unexpected things come out of your mouth. So that's why I've chosen you. What do you think? Yeah, good. Yes. Yeah. For the benefit of listeners, she's doing wide eyes and strange faces. I wish you could see them. And uh, I've got some good things lined up. So we're not just going like, to look at paintings of naked cherubs firing arrows at gods, which is what you would expect at a gallery. We're going to look at an exhibition, which is all artifacts, things found in the ground of an old nightclub that was torn down in Moss Side called the Reno which played soul music. Did you ever go dancing at the Reno? No, I didn't go there. No. But you heard of it? I heard of it, yeah. Right, so it's this sort of underground. Because I live in Stratford. I know, Stratford. Cuttable, thank you. And um, <laughs> no, so that I just thought it would really appeal to, we're both nosy, yeah? I nosy on everyone's mm. life, but we can go through all the old stuff and see the drinks they yes, had and yeah. all the stuff they touched. It's it very thought, nice. thought it really appealed to you because the history, it's about the age you were when you were clubbing. I can't wait. We're going through a massive room now. It's really high, like double high ceilings. Like, let's call it eight working class dining rooms stacked on top of each other. It's lovely. And the wallpaper reminds me of something, you know, like um, you would have had in the 1960s on the wall. 50s, 60s. Yeah, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. It's orange. What is it like it's a trapezius shape? Three different types of shades of orange. It's quite trippy, this wall, because it, play, it plays with your depth perception. And each, each colour of orange is like a tanning chart in an Essex salon. Yeah. I, I personally would go for the one on the left if I was going to fake a tan on the first day of a holiday to Ibiza. Yes, I would. Mm-hmm. Ironically, when I was in Ibiza, if I looked at that, I would immediately vomit. So Christine Alistair, the, the governor of the whole gallery, is going to take us through to an exhibition that isn't even... Nice to meet you. Yeah, he's there. Nice to meet you, Auntie I was Christine. trying to create a bit of tension. We now know that Alistair's next to us, so you spoiled that. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's going to take us through to an exhibition that isn't even finished being installed to, to show us something in there that's his favourite item in the whole place at oh, the moment. So we lovely. get a, a little pre-look. I'm Alistair Hudson, and I'm a director of the Whitworth and Manchester Art Gallery. Our first impressions were it's just a, a, quite an unusual corner of Manchester in itself. It's the quite London-y, the buildings. They all look, every building looks like a, it was once a separate sex school or a hospital. Yeah. There, there's those sort of scary orange brick that Victorians used to... Welcome put, to Victorian Britain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr Rochester would have brought someone here. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Was, yeah. this per, was the orange bit at the front, is that purpose-built? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it so was one of the few that is. It was no, built at the turn of the century as, as an art gallery, but actually it was originally made as the Whitworth Institute and Park... Right. And Mr Whitworth was basically the go-to engineer craftsperson of the 19th century. So he invented things like the Whitworth screw. So if you go by any screw or bolt now, mm. it's BSW, British Standard Whitworth. Mm. So he made all his money oh, from, from nuts and bolts and screws. He developed super flatness. So if you wanted something making what was really if flat... Just come to one of my gigs, he would have loved those. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, oh, he invented the Whitworth rifle as well, which was no the way. weapon of choice in the American Civil War. Oh, well, there's a link there to me, because I grew up on the borders of Essex and London in a place called Enfield, and, of course, that's oh, yeah. where I, it's all turned into houses now, but that's one of the most famous rifles ever made in this country was the Enfield right, rifle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I lived right near the rifle works. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, he, so he, Mr Whitworth made all his money doing that. Oh, and he, uh, he actually made Charles, Charles Babbage's first computer. He was the guy that actually got his penknife out and crafted it all from... Uh... So the things you're describing are quite sort of hands-on, tradesman-y type things. Was yeah, he like yeah. a working-class man rather than a 
sort of poncy, yeah, exactly. But that, type. in a way, that was the spirit of Manchester in the 19th century, right? So, what they decided was, as Manchester was growing and becoming the world's super capital of makers, the city of making, they needed an art gallery to show people what good design, art and design looked like, so they would make better stuff. Right. And at the same time, by having an art gallery and a park, because it was the Whitworth Institute and park, uh, the idea was that you would basically provide the environment to make healthier people that were healthier in the brain and healthier in the, right. in the heart as well and body. Very interesting. Yeah, so it was really kind of Victorian philanthropists mm. trying to make the world a better place. Yes. And that's, what, that's why this place was built. A lovely building, isn't it? Yeah. So Christine and I were stood in the gardens earlier and we were pondering how strange it is that, well, I got all the way almost to 20 years old without anyone talking to me about art and art galleries. You've never, it's never been in your life before. No. What's going wrong with galleries and museums? Why aren't, why are they still not connecting with younger people coming through our comprehensive system where I'm from? Some areas around here have an 11 plus, but you could argue that makes things worse. People are being lost. Art's just not touching them, it's not part of their life, it's not something you would choose to do, it's not on the menu of things you might select. What's going on, what could be done different, what's the Whitworth doing? Yeah, well, that's everything I'm interested in, basically, because yeah. I've only been here a year as well. I'm, I'm a bit like the new kid who's come right. in with a, you know, a new mission uh, to change exactly what you said. And I think for a long time we've told the wrong stories about art in schools and in society. We say it's this, well, also that it's these precious objects that sit in a museum or an art gallery and somehow have to go into the museum and you have to be told how to understand this thing that's quite mysterious and then you're supposedly to be you know, a better person for seeing it and then wander off all happy. Mm. Whereas actually there's a, there's a kind of longer story of art as being this kind of tool, this kind of thing we do, this process to change the world. So we might think about cooking as being art or gardening as much as we do um, other things. And um, the history of this place, as I said, was about that idea that you, you experience art and learn how to make things and learn how to make things together. And through that process of making stuff, you learn how to change the world. Have you ever done anything like that, Christine? Cause... I used to draw. Did you? Yeah. What did you like to draw? Cartoons. Yeah, the Flintstones and <laughs> Scooby-Doo. <laughs> As a child, I used to draw. So I used to have a look at a book my mum used to buy me, and then I used to just draw the uh, Flintstones or somebody like Scooby-Doo. So you could copy it, you could see a cartoon could, and copy it. I could copy it, And yeah. it was so good that Yvonne, my mother-in-law, used to accuse you of tracing it. That's right, yeah. And then I used to colour it all in, you know, very therapeutic. And now, whenever, if me and Lindsay move, or if we do a house, you're the first one in there in your apron, up a yes. bloody stepladder painting everything. Yeah, so I, now I paint doors and uh, fences. I enjoy doing that. I need some very all the trees. An artist, <laughs> artistic expression when you uh, <laughs> painted a fence, there was a tree in the way, so you painted the tree, but the exact height of the fence, the same, <laughs> the same colour. That's right, yeah. Because I got a little bit on the tree and I thought, oh. Might as well fill it in. I might as well do it all, <laughs> so I did. <laughs> still got half a painted So them, tree. all them lot, the family were really tickled by this, you know. Mm. You get a satisfaction from just colouring a space in. And I'm going to have a lot to do, aren't I, when, in the next few weeks. Oh, yeah, you're moving house, you'll be in your moving element. Moving house, yeah. Why don't you just put a giant flintstone on the living room wall and show everyone? <laughs> 
I, I was kind of bang on about art being useful because it is actually really useful, um, but we don't necessarily say that in in school. Yeah. We talk about it as being, you know, just thinking about it on its own terms. Yeah. But actually, if you think about the processes when you're being creative, it's about problem solving. Yeah. And so actually we do a lot of stuff with the NHS, for example, and they, they use art in therapy, in training uh, doctors basically we, we we work with the medical school to give art classes to doctors and it's been proven that they have better diagnostic skills having studied art than if they don't Bloody hell. how about well, that you never. i wonder that works with everyone <laughs> get some fuzzy felt to traffic wardens stop them being assholes yeah <laughs> i'm just going to open this door and i'm going to take you into the main galleries where we're currently installing our exhibition that's called a joy forever and it's all about how our ancestors in the victorian age tried to change the world through art and including um a guy called thomas horsfall who set up one of the first art museums in manchester to show basically the poor undernourished um children of ancoats who were kind of in the filthy mills how to how to experience art and to use it in their lives and he even took all the kids from ancoats on a march to uh to to london to campaign for every school child to have a right to an art education Bloody fantastic. and that was in the, that was in the end of the 19th century so it's still relevant today. yeah i'd like to feel like we would but i would love to be laughing at that as, as it sounded like such a ridiculous thing and we'd come so far. But really, I could imagine doing the same in a food bank today, depressingly. It's, we've still got so far to go. Yeah, it's, it's rather depressing how uh, circular all these things are. So here we are in front of um, Ethics of Dust, which is by Jorge Otero Palos, who's an artist who basically took these latex casts off the east wall of the Palace of Westminster. So this is a, a technique that's used in conservation to clean stone buildings. So what you have here is a sheet of latex that's come off the wall and taken with it a thousand years of dust, basically, from the Palace of Westminster. So what they've done, so if we went on to, against the side of your house and put a sheet of latex on it, mm. all the dirt that comes away with it, you remember like a negative from a photo? Yeah. That's what this is, the Palace of Westminster, but we're in dirt. So that's the filth and dust on the outside of Westminster, which has come away mm. with the latex print. And it's just sort of kept... This is a thousand years of dust. Yeah, but it is, I think dust is, isn't it, 70% human skin or something really horrible like that? So technically, that's a thousand years of political politicians <laughs> stuck to that bit of latex. If he'd have waited a year, he would have got most of Theresa May because she's being flayed alive at the moment. <laughs> Just the whole of Theresa May attached at the edge of it. She tries to negotiate we Brexit. We can still do that. Just we can send her an invitation Attached now. to a bit of latex at the end. That, see, now, if Tracy Emin or someone like that had done it, you would just have a whole Theresa May stuck on at the end like that. It's the skin of some right tyrants there. So, Alistair, thanks very much for giving us a sneak peek at Joy Forever, which will be up till, I believe, June the 6th. Do you know what I think we should do now, Christine? I think we should head to the Reno for some dancing. <laughs> How did we get there? Follow the disco noises. Uh, <laughs> no, if you go upstairs, yep. past, the, past the wallpaper exhibition, yep. and then you'll see, yeah, a large room, and hopefully you will find Linda Brogan in there, who's one of the uh, key players behind the, the Reno project. We're excited to see this one, because this goes back to when you would have been clubbing yourself. Let's go and boogie. <laughs> so, Auntie Christine, what we do in our leisure time mostly, we're either eating, drinking, or game-playing. We are yes. a heavy board game user. 
family. Yes, we are. We have several times got to the point where we can't breathe. There have mm. been certain incidents where you've had to adjourn to other rooms where yes. you've lost control of your body parts. That's right. Um, yes. One of the most memorable moments was where you lined my dining room chair with a carrier bag. So, Two carrier bags. So unsure were you that we would make it safely through a game of Articulate. Yeah. And it was during that game of Articulate, Christine, do you remember? It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I mean, I write funny things for a living, but this made me laugh more than anything I've ever heard. So for people that don't know what Articulate is, let me just describe it. You get a word on a card, it could be cat, and you just have to describe it without using the word cat. So I would say, it meows, it's got a tail, and you would say... Cats. Brilliant. I wasn't expecting that to work. That's how wrong <laughs> Articulate normally goes. And, uh, and I got this one word, it was... Bustard, which is a type of turkey, B-U-S-T-A-R-T. It's a type of turkey. And I'm like, how am I going to get Christine to guess that? So I went, it's like what you used to call your ex-husband, Barry, to which she quickly said, bastard. Bastard. Uh, and, and I went, yes, but with a U. And you said, you bastard. Oh, you bastard. That's <laughs> right, yeah. It and all comes the, back to me It's now. the most I've ever laughed, I think, on Christmas Day. We're, we're on our way to Reno, but this is a wonderful room that's just got all different wallpaper. Oh, and the one art that Christine mentioned she liked drawing was the Flintstones, and I sort of laughed dismissively. But lo yeah. and behold, on the wall of the Whitworth, what have we found? Yes, the Flintstones. And I used to draw pictures of these, but uh, it's funny seeing it here, you know, in the uh, art exhibition. Uh, there's um, Thelma, Wilma, Fred, Barney and Betty. Uh, That's Bam Bam the baby. Bam Bam the baby, yeah. Mm. That's so weird. Like on the wall of the Whitworth is something you used to draw. Yes. That's crazy. I did not expect that to happen today. Yeah. I can't say that. <laughs> Lovely, uh, colourful picture, you know. This is what kids' wallpapers were like back in the day, yes. weren't they, Christine? Yes, yeah. The, behind us, we've seen some wonderful um, Mickey Mouse, and also there's the cowboy one over there. Yes, what a little boy would have on the wall. Have yeah. you seen this wallpaper, Christine? It's really... Uh, did, you, did you actually see that it's one? All, yes. What the hell is that? It just says Robert Gober hand... hand. It is disturbing, isn't it? It's really it? disturbing. So it's a man mm. who looks like he's asleep with a sort of furrowed, concentrating expression on his face. You could call it angry. Mm. And it repeats with a pattern, quite big, the pattern, the size of my hand, of a silhouette of a man hanging from a tree. The implication being, he, he's, like dream, he's either dreaming about killing himself or he's so disturbed when he's sleeping he mm. has taken his own life. At the, at the point we're talking about this, there's been a lot of news stories this week, there's been male suicides really in the news. So it's a, I don't think you'd want it as wallpaper, but as, no, as a comment no. of... Do, mm. you know, do you know what I think it is, Christine? Like, particularly, there was a piano in the background, naturally there, there is one at the Whitworth. Someone did a drive-by C minor at us. Particularly men of your generation, but it's not improved much. Mm. Is, that is men, don't they? They don't talk about stuff. They lie there brooding, mm. and then they do something you won't expect it. I'm not saying men are going to kill themselves, or they run off with someone else, or they empty the, save, they empty the savings account, or they run off with another woman. Yes. But that is most women's experience of men, is the silent brooding followed by a sudden reaction you won't expect it. The key thing that goes wrong with blokes is... Women love talking about problems even when there's no solution. I know, I'm from a family of people that gather around the table and speak for three hours about something that can't be changed, but they'd love speaking about it for three hours anyway. Lit an aromatherapy candle, talked to Christine about it, it felt better. Whereas men, if it can't be changed, what's the point in talking about it? If it can't open Haynes' manual and see the solution, what's the point in discussing it? Not realising that that is a poisonous thing to do. 
and that talking itself is very, very therapeutic. So that was my theory. So I got the idea to create a programme, a podcast, where men are forced to talk about the things men wouldn't normally talk about. It's really varied. It could be height, it could be cheating, it could be porn, it could be depression. Some of them funny, some of them not so funny, but always using humour to engage men. A surprise audience has been women who want nothing more than to listen in at the door about what men really think. And we always have a girl on the panel as well, a woman on the panel, just in case we stray into, well, you know what women think. She's called the lady auditor. So that's what boys don't cry, isn't it? A bit more with banter, a bit more risky, a bit more with edge, but still tackling the big things that bother blokes. I've not seen anything like this before. And look at that one over there. That's bullies. What is it? The bullies. Have a read of the thing. It's a hand screen printed wallpaper called bullies. So you can interpret that any way you want. You could see it as these... Are these bullies? Well, it's like a f trippy, fluorescent Very, pattern. very bright photograph, yes. And the kids in the pictures, maybe you're giving them a bright pattern, as though to say, at school you were invisible, but here mm. you shine. I don't know if I'm mm. overreaching. But. Or pointing the bullies out. Yeah. It could be the, these could be the bullies. We have, we have a stereotypical idea of what a bully is, but it's not always the, the pretty kid or the hard kid, is it? Yeah, if he is a bully, he's a dashing one, that one with the long blonde hair, mm. isn't he? Yeah. He goes surfing and then a bit of bullying afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we're at the Reno exhibition, Christine. It's just through there, let's walk in. These are all our unearthed artefacts from the torn down nightclub in the 1970s. Mm, we, thought, we thought they were lost forever, but they excavated the earth and they found all these interesting objects. The Reno moth side. Well, the first thing we're seeing is a video of, of a patch of mud, which is obviously where the nightclub where used to stand. Was, yeah. And right underneath it is a glass case with yeah. the, what's left of what must have been one of the fireplaces, some oh, pokers, and look, yeah. some dominoes and dice. It's like two dominoes. The old kind of fire. It's the, coals are, the coals are still in the grate from like the final there, fire that yeah. burned before it closed. Mm. That's pretty poignant, isn't it? There's a big table here with all old photographs of the club. We're going to have a look at them now. Um, oh, this is the excavation. This must have been with a point where they decided, let's dig up and see what we find. Oh, so yeah. these are all the people digging it up. You just wouldn't expect to find anything, would you, after all these years? No, no. Empty purses. Right, there's some old wallets, Christine. Look at oh, that. Oh, look at that. So the people would have took the wallet on that night. And it's just got lost and it's been and in the mud all that time. it's got lost. Oh, and a, an old Chris Crackett. Oh, Smith's uh, Chris. Smith's Chris, yeah. I remember those. those and you, you had a little tiny bag of um, salts. And you had to shake your own salt. And shake it, yeah. You probably could have done it in time, shake, in time you know. to the music while you were dancing to oh, the yeah, pole. Shake, shake back and da, 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 <laughs> Oh, that was hoovering. Yeah, yeah. And then the old um, Coke tins. And what's that? Ginger beer. Oh, um, the ginger beer, yeah. Imagine how many drinks were out of that heart, that glass yeah. there. Yeah, and probably lipstick marks, you know. And this is what they found. Would you have a gin and tizer? Was that a drink back in the day? Well, do you know what you used to have? You used to have a cherry bee in a little tiny bottle. And you could get drunk on cherry bee, believe it or not. And baby sham. Cherry bee was just a little bottle. Of a cherry drink. Would you go out <laughs> dancing or drunk on cherry bee? You could do. I must have gone, yeah. Where did you go out clubbing? Well, to, to I go used out to go... I know you got married very, very young, so mm. there's only a small window for you going out and partying, but where did you go? We used to go to a place called Brown's in Stratford. 
all Motown soul music. It was lovely. And then they used to do a barn dance. So everybody was all dancing, doing a barn dance. And then a rich rhythm, it was called. And all, all 60s music. And you can't beat 60s music now. That is my era, you know. They were the days, you know. We're going to go over now and see Linda Brogan, who's the lady that's actually behind this excavation and driven the energy to make all this stuff be seen. Um, and there's a lot of conversations around this exhibition around race and class as well. And mm -hmm. you know, there's another aspect we haven't talked about yet. I'm sure we will. Oh, there she is. There. Yes. So, I'm going to chat to her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Linda, I'm going to ask you to show us around some of your favourite bits. What's the, some of the favourite things you pulled out of the mud? Oh, come on then. <laughs> <laughs> flares, a pair of green flares. This green is on flare. the first day. First day? Oh. Who left without their trousers? Ex from the well, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Is that, is that part of it or is that... Yeah, it? no, that's part of it. That's a beer crate. Yeah, because when we'd go in, you'd go down the stairs, turn left, <laughs> and the first place you go is the toilet, but opposite the toilet was a stack of... Always a stack of Lee's yellow crates. So at some point, someone left the Reno in... Uh, let's Without be optimistic, trousers. their underwear. <laughs> but I'm, I'm starting to not be optimistic about the underwear at this stage. Yeah. I'd love to know the story behind those. Are they men's or women's garments? Women's, women's. Oh. Look, the buttons are on that side. Right. You won't get a guy that thin either, really. Well, you're talking to the wrong man. I, I, I'm like a pepper it? army with hair on, and I'd wear those. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you can lend them after... So I think what both me and Christine were wondering is, how did the idea occur to you to dig out an old nightclub and get bottles of Tizer and make it? I mean, it's utterly brilliant, but how did the thought occur to you? Because it was under there. <laughs> <laughs> but is it like, because even now, I, I know Christine and me are different ages, but even now, if I hear a tune, so for example, I was a little bit into drum and bass scene and the stuff that came out of the early 90s and all that, I get like a a nostalgia feeling, like remembering being on the dance floor, like trying to recapture that emotion. No, you get a tingle, don't you? I'm wondering how much of that was driving you to dig up the mud and get the objects back. And you're like, oh, it's about the history and I want to tell my story, but it's a little bit like, I want to remember what it's like no, well, what to be drinking Bacardi. <laughs> no, well, what a good back there. Do you know, like when I put certain tunes on, like last night, I was playing tunes in the Facebook group to get people in the mood to come. And I just want to go there. It's like, oh, I want to go there now. So this, is, this club yeah. was actually in the 70s and it came out of that sort of Motown into soul and funk and that sort of, yeah, that, that, yeah. that type of music. Stevie went to Reno's, if you want to involve, yeah. Oh, so there's some, just for the benefit of the listeners, there's another gentleman joined us at the tables. Hello, hi. My name is Stephen Cotier. I'm one of the Reno 12. When you say the Reno 12, it sounds like something Quentin Tarantino's That's dreamt exactly up. what it's supposed to sound like. <laughs> right, when we, when we excavate the Reno, right... And we was going to come into the residency at the Whitworth. The Reno 12 are the people who was most loyal to the excavation, so those that turned up every day. Stevie's got something to say. Go on. Like you were saying, um, how the atmosphere, this atmosphere in the Reno, it was like people used to get dressed up, you know, proper dressed up. Dead smart, you know, men, women, just for the week, just for, to come in there. You know, like you had a, a woman called Diane dressed up to the eyeballs, never went anywhere else, just went in there with a Billie Holiday, you know, a Billie Holiday flower in her hair. And she, I used to call her, that's our Billie Holiday. You know, and, and like you're saying, the dance floor was full all the time, you know, during that weekend. 
Do you think we lost something there, Christine? Because like my generation, when we went clubbing, basically wearing what I'm wearing today, T-shirt, jeans, scruffy as possible. So very often we come out at 7am, not even with a top on, I would have lost my T-shirt and then I'd get in trouble <laughs> with my, having, to, yeah. having to hide my eyes from my mum. Because by, <laughs> by then my mum's up at 7am, you know, with a cup of tea doing what I used to call her eyeball poirot, because she'd be like, what is in your ears? <laughs> Whereas back in, back in the late 60s and early 70s mm. it was about really dressing up for a, mm. like smart like yeah, I would for a red carpet did you used to dress up dead smart yes I did yeah and I used to go to browns you know because you're a yeah. pencil skirt girl what, yes yeah. did you wear a pencil skirt did you what would you have worn when, when I was uh, slimmer yeah <laughs> <laughs> she was saying she would drink cherry bee was her drink I never heard cherry of it bee? cherry bee was really strong Honest to God, because it tasted like pop, didn't it? So you'd neck it, and the next thing you'd be like, cross-eyed. <laughs> and barley wine. Do you remember oh, barley wine, was, the little barley it wine? It was very strong. Well, it still is, isn't it, now? So, <clears throat> obviously, there's loads of them. Manchester has a massive reputation for brilliant nightclubs. Hacienda is the one that my generation always dreamed of going. I never made it up here. What's so special about the arena? Why is it so important we remember it? What does it symbolise? Why, it's why not important to you lot to remember it. It's important to us to remember it. Um, it was like going to Goodfellas. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was like a one-off. It had a quintessential black door. Do you know what I mean? Like so, and you either knew about it or you didn't know about it. Right. I mean, yeah. There was a lot of mixed race people there, there go. going down there, you know, where we where we could identify with each other. Because yeah. we used to get I can't swear, but we used to get badness off the white people and we used to get badness off the West Indian people. So when we was like, Whoa, what's going on here? And then when that was opening, we went down there and it was just wall to wall. Half-caste, but mixed race, you know. I remember myself as half-caste, because that's what I was. It was about reclaiming my identity. It was a club that we colonised. You know, it didn't start off full of mixed-race people. It started off just as a club in Moss Side. And then they used to play reggae and then Persian. And then we know that loads of mixed or half-caste people, as I say, was in there, so then you go, you'd be going past for months and months and years and years, thinking, oh, it's a bit dodgy in there, it's a bit too cool for me, do you know, whatever, do you know, and then you'd just go down, you'd go down, and then you'd never leave for six years, or till you had your baby, and then you can't, then you can't go till three days after you've had your baby, do you know, for the next <laughs> six like years, you know, like it's, yeah, I was, th- I was down there the night before I gave birth, because it was Christmas time, and it, what, what am I going to miss? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Was so. there a little star hovering above the club? So, <laughs> that, it was really the star snowing to the club. like that, yeah. We've got a stable you can stay yeah, in. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> it's, it's funny how these themes repeat, because the, the language changes and the groups change, but the shape of the journey doesn't change, because... I come from a council estate. Yeah. We weren't going to go up the West End to all these posh no, exactly. clubs, but all the working class kids of all colours by the time we got to my generation rave and drum and bass and that scene, we all came together on the dance floor. So we thought we had this secret that our... Yeah, but you do. ...segregated elders didn't have. Well, I come from Tottenham, North London. Yeah. You know, there was the people... Everywhere black people live, everywhere white people live. But come the weekend, we're all hugging on the dance floor, dancing to drum and bass. And that was our thing. That was our secret. That's where I lived but for five exactly years. But that's exactly what it was. And then one day, of another whole other story, I was sat on the grass of the Reno in about 2015, and it was... It was demolished in 87, and the grass was covered in poppies. 
And I thought, oh, it's under there. It's, you know, like it was calling me. Of all the flowers as of well. Of all little, the flowers. And, the and I've never the seen them before. Remembering them. Mm. Let's just go and see the memoirs on the big massive tallet. Look, it's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, so these, oh, these are people remembering and reminiscing and having the emotions when they think about back in the day what it was like at the Reno, right? I excavated the Reno in October 2017, but in 2016 I started getting people's memoirs. So that was, yeah. So, oh, you'd love him, yeah. So we're seeing a guy now... Okay, he might be more advanced in years, but he's still tightly coiled like a spring, immaculately turned out, beautifully groomed beard, amazing sort of Pharrell-style hat. He looks like he could bounce out of the chair at any moment, very alert eyes. He looks like he's aged well, him. So there's a few people that we used to challenge each other to dancing, <laughs> and my mates, if I weren't in the mood or whatever, they'd say, come on, Fonz, fucking get up there, and, and then they'd say, but make sure you do a backflip, because I was quite famous <laughs> yeah, after sitting yeah. and backflips. Fonzo so, Buller. Yeah, and it wasn't a night in the Reno without Fonzo. You know those people that bring the energy? You know, do backflips, bang on the table when it's a top tune, you know, whistle and all that, you know, and hype it up. <laughs> what the Reno was full of was people that should have been stars and artists and things, do you know what I mean? But it's 1970s, we're all working class with the wrong colour and everything. So that's our theatre the arena with our theatre. So when we go down, we're putting on a display, so we're the audience and the actors, and it was our place. Like you said before, secret. It's yeah. like our secret. The mums and dads didn't... What yeah. did the mums and dads think about it? Don't go to the arena, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, you'll end up this, that and the other. And we just be... We probably did end up this, that and the other as well. <laughs> and that was the best you know, bit of yeah, it was no, the other. Exactly. <laughs> the other yeah. is the flares we saw over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Linda, thanks so much for taking us around this amazing exhibition and oh, congratulations on coming up with the idea to dig up an old nightclub you went to and turn it into art. Oh, thank you, man. It's been amazing, thank hasn't it, Christine? You. Have you it brought does. up lots of memories for you? Yes, it has. I yeah. think you want to go and get off your face and cherry really... bean now, don't you? As long as you keep your trousers on, Christine. <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we don't need any more muddy trousers in the grounds of the Whitworth, thank you. <laughs> so, Christine, have you enjoyed today? I enjoyed it very much. And what did you think of that Reno exhibition? Did it blow your mind? Yes, it did, yeah. And Linda was very nice, wasn't she? Um, reminiscing. Any old buildings that are gone that you'd like to dig up? <laughs> Anywhere you used to go? Are there any dance halls or shops or anything that's disappeared? Well, the Browns where I used to go, that's disappeared. So that might be under the ground. We could excavate Browns. <laughs> I wonder what we'd find. There's houses there now. A few cherry bee bottles by the sound of it. <laughs> So, Christine, given that we're armed with art passes, which give us 10% off in the gift shop, I don't think we're going straight out of the gallery, do you? No. I think we should go and see if I need any... to have a look. There's always something you want to buy. There might be some of that Flintstones wallpaper in there. You never well, know. Well, you never know. Thanks for listening to me, Russell Kane, and my auntie Christine at the Whitworth here in Manchester. Bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs> Is that right? It's Perfect. great. <laughs> If you like this episode of the podcast, please rate, subscribe or tell a friend. You could tell Beryl about it. Oh, yes, and Helen. Mm-hmm.